0: Sorry I interrupted your uh, exploration of the black hole, whatever the fuck that was.
1: (laughs) It's this game called No Man's Sky, dude. It's like super cool. It's, you could, they generate this entire universe and then you can travel around and explore all the different planets. There's like 18 quintillion planets, which is larger than our observable universe. So it's pretty fun.
0: I like how uh, games uh, capitalize on this human need to be God.
1: It's not about that. I mean, the guy who created this kind of maybe thinks he's God because he's like, oh, I can create this whole universe myself. But I'm just like this guy who goes around farming and milking animals and riding them and like shit like that. It's stupid. Anyway, <laughs> long story. Okay. That's, that's for a separate podcast.
0: All right. All right. All right, then. So It's nice to see you uh, unwind. Uh, it's not a busy day for you. Mm-hmm which is nice, uh, because you're not traveling for work, you're not traveling for uh, the Auto Geffield YouTube show, and uh, something that we will be talking about in this episode, Uh, but yeah, I I know that you've been traveling a lot for all the uh, car reviews that you've been doing in the last six to eight months at least, how do you not get pulled over when you're Probably pushing the speed limits wherever
1: the fuck you are. Well, first of all, it is nice to talk to you again. Uh, At least because of this podcast, you're calling me. Otherwise, you fucking never do. And (laughs) it's first of all, it's actually been three years since I've been doing the show. And I don't necessarily... Get pulled over. It's actually never happened so far, knock on wood. And I'm, you don't see me because it's a podcast, but I'm smacking my head because my head's full of wood. Um, but I do get um, into a little bit of, uh, I get questioned at airports, especially my camera guy. So we always travel as a team of two. Why? Because he's carrying all the all his camera equipment, his, his recording equipment, his, his drones, this thing and that thing. He probably has one toothbrush and a box or stuff between a couple of uh, cameras. But that's it because we don't check in luggage, we just carry on. Um, so they're always like, what do you have in this? Is it a bomb? What is this? <laughs> and I always have some issue I'm trying to explain yeah. to the TSA guys in the US what I'm trying to do. You know, they don't really understand what a YouTuber or social media influencer really is. And yeah, sometimes I just say I'm a journalist. So it's pretty interesting that way.
0: Yeah, it can be a very good cover, you know, for a terrorist. Pretty interesting cover. <laughs> if you've seen Argo, you know what I'm talking about. I haven't
1: seen Argo. Is that the one with Ben Affleck? No.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, right? Okay, okay. Anyway. So after that movie, it probably mindfucked a lot of uh, TSA agents. But, yeah, journalists are terrorists. Okay. <laughs> so okay now let's let's talk about the first time you actually did this you had to do this you know i recall how excited you were when you put out your first youtube car review video but uh, there was a i don't think that was your first assignment as such right you were probably helping out uh, the founders of autogave fuel so talk to me about that
1: So what happened was I was currently, you know, looking for something to do that was uh, car related and we can get into that later on. But um, I approached a lot of different channels and magazines and for any kind of a project whatsoever, any kind of uh, work, because I had just finished my um, classes. I was looking for a thesis and I was working part time. So I had a lot of free time on my hand. And, uh, you know, the guys at AutoGift Fuel said, fine, but show me what you can do you know, let's, let's start from there. Uh, whereas a lot of other guys just outright said no, or majority of them didn't even reply, of course. So I mm. borrowed a friend's old car. It was his grandma's car. It was like a 20, 20 year old uh, golf. Um, wow. And uh, shout out to Lucas for letting me do that. And another friend of ours, Anna, who helped me out. Uh, the three of us kind of made a little um, review on my phone with his car. And I sent it to, to the guys at Audi Gefühl Thomas and he was really happy with it he was impressed but the truth is I mean I could have spent months making that video I could have done 25 different takes so it's really hard to judge you know a, a product that you that somebody has time to produce and put together and send so yep. he just said come meet me let's, let's let's have a chat and so I went up to uh, I think it was Dusseldorf to meet him and he was reviewing this Audi RS6 Avant um, uh, and he was and then suddenly he was like okay just in front of the car give me a quick five minute introduction and i'll put it online i know so it was like kind of like uh, he put me on the spot there he, he, he wanted to just test to make sure that i was actually you know capable of doing this and you know me i mean we've been we buddy you and i've been playing in bands since we were in high school and yeah uh, and i'm used to being on stage being in front of camera talking to a large group of people i don't have straight stage fright so it was really easy for me to do a quick five minute review and that was the actual first time i was on Fuel, and then it just kind of snowballed from there because he was really happy and it all, it, all, it all really worked out.
0: Yeah, that's true, man. I remember thinking that I wasn't surprised that you were good at it. But what surprised me more was how well you were perceived uh, on the YouTube space as, you know, without sounding too pessimistic, but it is dif- pretty difficult to be an Indian auto journalist on a European show re- reviewing to a largely European audience uh, but again I guess at that point of time Autogapfuel had a global audience also so I, will, I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't pessimistic but I was pleasantly surprised to see the response you got from all the comments I love reading comments man <laughs> it's the best thing in the world <laughs> yeah so, right
1: yeah, yeah. because um, there is, I mean, the the, the market for auto journalism or well, these YouTube channels and magazines is quite saturated in the world because each each car manufacturing company has separate PR departments for each region. You know, Asia, India, um, U.S., and so on. And each market has its own events, its own uh, set of journalists that they come uh, that come to these events. So it was pretty interesting. But like you said, auto AutoGefueller had already been established at that time. And uh, they had a global audience. Had a very, you know, they were they were seen as one of those more professional, more modern um, um, channel with because the channel is vegan. So we promote vegan, like interiors. We don't we don't we don't like leather in the cars and so on. So it's very it's very modern that way. So I think it was quite. of course, there's. I mean, YouTube comments. You have to take it everything with a pinch of salt because there's always a lot of trolls and people who don't really get what you're doing, or people who are jealous and you know, of course. some some racists here and there. But at the end of the day, it's it's you know you got you got to put that aside and use constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, talk to your teammates and what can be done better. And yeah, since then, in the past I years, I think I've got my own
0: uh, set of uh, um, you know. I agree, man. A I agree with you. And and I remember while you were pursuing this you were also you probably locked knocked on a lot of doors just to look for a full-time job that was probably the harder part for you right
1: oh yeah absolutely Uh,
0: and while you were looking for a job i I guess you were probably contemplating even doing this on the side because it wasn't rewarding in the financial sense you really just loved doing it uh Mm -hmm. what was that like what were you actively looking for balance a good balance or were you just satisfied that, you know, I had something on the side. If I get a good job or not, doesn't matter. What what, what are you looking for at that point in time?
1: The truth is, yeah, like you said, the show was something that I, I loved. It was a passion. But um, mm-hmm. just because I was in a different country with a student visa, I couldn't continue doing this uh, in the effect that I would need to uh, to be able to do it full-time um, and, and, and live in Germany. So I had to find a full-time job. and. Like with music was before, it was always something that I, I saw, like the name of the show or the, the show was about a side hustle rather than my primary source of income and livelihood. So it was really difficult and, you know, it took a lot of effort and time to find a job and I don't think I was necessarily, at one towards the end I wasn't really looking for a job that, you know, it wasn't a criteria that they would allow me to continue doing autofueling. Unfortunately, I was just looking for any job, and I, and I figured, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to make autogifuel work later on. Because here, I get 28 days of paid leave, so, you know, that's plenty of time for me to, you know, do, do autogifuel. And the truth is, in the past couple of years, since I've started working, um, I have been doing a little bit less, and I primarily do these uh, autogifuel uh, events on weekends. Whereas before, when I first started three years ago, you know, I just finished my uh, classes. So I had about six months off before I started my thesis Mm -hmm. and my part-time job at SAP was really flexible. So I had plenty of time and I pretty much went for a project every week or every 10 days. So uh, It's come down, but I still, I think, have a really good uh, balance.
0: Yeah, I think think you've gotten into the practice of having a good balance uh, from a while back. Because when we were trying to figure it out, when uh, during our engineering college days, we were trying to balance music and studying. It was not really that complex, but we seemed very hard. Uh, Later, you graduated. You were trying to balance a job that you hated. I know you hated it, Mm -hmm. and you were trying to do. You were trying to play as a drummer for a pretty popular band, and I, I think that experience must have helped you stay grounded. And not get too excited about the opportunities coming to your way. Because you know that opportunities can end just like that. Uh, what's oh, yeah. going really well can just end. You need something stable as well, right?
1: Absolutely. And that's exactly, I think you, you, you've drawn a really good comparison. Because I, in hindsight, that really helped me out when I was playing for that uh, more professional band uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of college in, in, the, in the one year I was working in Bangalore. I learned that, first of all, music, for example, showed me that any any creative form of art or media that you pursue, there is no direct market because people will not actively look for you unless you're really popular. So that, right. so when you and I started playing with the band when we were in high school, it was it took time to build it up from being being an amateur garage band to playing to the effect that we did, which was fine. But once I joined the other band, which is more professional, there was uh, we had so many shows we played like four shows a week at times. Yeah. Realized that okay, same thing when I started looking for something to do with cars. Okay, instead of just using my phone or getting a GoPro and reviewing my friends' cars or something like that, which would take a really long time to build up and a lot of effort, um, let's try to find somebody who's already established and and provide you know my set of skills which would really complement the channel and that's what I was able to achieve with Fuel. Yep, that
0: and you did it, man. That that was an amazing. Part like. Being a bystander, watching this from miles away, I'll be honest. Like I thought, it's gonna be really hard for you, but you fucking brave the storm. You, you made it work in spite of all the worries that you had uh, from personal life, whether or, uh, or convincing your parents. And that's where I want to take this to. Like I know your family pretty well, and they've always been concerned about your focus. You've got a lot of things going on. And uh, your dad's always trying to bring, like hold you back and not hold you back, but in the sense, like get you to look in the right direction sometimes. And uh, he may have been right sometimes, but you also prove them wrong in a lot of situations. So did you, f- how did you change the mind? That's my question to you, man. How did you change the mind that look, this is how my life is going to be, I'm going to be interested in a lot of things, I'll be balancing a lot of things, uh, you're going to have to get used to it, because it works, and I'm happy about it.
1: Yeah, so the truth is, when it comes to the car show, uh, it was very different with my parents, I mean, when we were in college, yeah, we were young, and we used to, I used to barely spend any time on, on on studying, or anything like that, so that's when my dad and mom were like, okay, you need to very careful about how you spend your time on your music and your on your on your college but now like i said since i'd finished my classes and i was looking for a thesis when i started autogiful um i had like 6 months of free time uh, pretty much so i devoted all of that time to kind of learn how to become a good auto journalist and how to become mm. good at this. and the thing is my dad and i we used to watch the show called top gear and we still yeah. watch you know, shows like that. And since we were, since I was a little kid, it's always been about cars. I used to play car video games, read car magazines, uh, uh, watched, ev- and once YouTube came out, watched pretty much every single car show in English that I could find. I've watched all these guys before. And so did my dad. And, you know, for me, it was never the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. No, it was the Mitsubishi Lancer drove down the road. So this <laughs> is how it was for me. So it was a, it was a dream come true in many senses, uh, in many ways. And my parents were completely on board. And they knew at the awesome. time, you know, of course, I was an adult now when I started doing this. And it was, I, I, I know how to balance these things. I know what my priorities are. And, um I had no. I never had to have any difficult conversations. It was always positive, positive, positive.
0: That's amazing, dude. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I only recall uh, being asked by uh, your dad to stop the noise, like bring down the noise. So it's, I get what you're saying. Once they start start taking you seriously, because uh, you have some things sorted out, and they know what you really love doing, they they don't really you back they kind of push you forward and it's not something that you would find with a lot of people but i i would say that you should be pretty fortunate that that happened in your life too right yeah and, uh, yeah
1: i think when it comes to parenting i think uh, most parents especially my parents when when you're in college and you're you're you're, young, you're, you're a young kid um uh, they see that there's very there's a large scope for you to you know waste time on things you shouldn't be wasting time on but once you're old, yeah. once I started like I got my own job I was unhappy with it and I, I, I got my own uh, I came to Germany to do my masters and it was a completely um, free university it was really competitive to get into but I didn't have to take any loan take any money from my parents and, mm-hmm. and these jobs were all completely on my own so in the sense that you know my parents were I guess they felt relieved that okay they've done their job and so now yeah. they could Enjoy life with me, enjoy my life with me, and not have to keep worrying about me. And I think we reached that point, um, you know, four or five years ago. And since then, it's just they're they're like friends to me. So it's it's been really um, it really good. That that's part. what I
0: like to hear, man. That's that's amazing. That's, I want to wow. hear more of that from everybody I talk to, uh, rather than a sad sob story. But
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, it's about the mindset. Things get a bit, you know, scary and there's anxiety as well always. But mm-hmm. once you just kind of take a minute and look at, okay, where is my life today? Where do I want to be tomorrow? And what do I need to do to get there? Things start falling into place. And you can just find your own, you know, you can, you can find that your, your mind is just aligning in the direction you need to go. And then
0: yeah.
1: it just get better and easier over time. It's just yeah. practice like everything else
0: yeah and this is why I like talking to you (laughs) because I take back something every time I talk to you man that's the amazing thing and that's what I would like to do with these podcasts as well like take back something from every conversation that I'm having it's yes I'm catching up with you but Mm -hmm. I'm also learning a lot and I'm starting to put it in action and that's what's exciting about it and I completely get that if I've had all these things are happening for me I would have to deprioritize some of these things as well that's that's something that I get and uh, which is why I'm going to now talk about you know the practical challenges of probably spending all this time all your free time let's to be honest let's be honest that it's all your free time that you're yeah. using for auto get fuel
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: you can't do this really without a support system right and uh, what, did, what does that look like? Is it all your partners and collaborators? Or is it family and friends who... Just let's talk about a couple of them at least.
1: Well, the truth is, it's, uh, it's not really, um, you know, I don't really have many collaborators. So it's always, um, we're, we work as a team of two for each project. Hmm. When I say project, it could be going to one place to film one car, or it could be going to um, like a, an auto show and filming 13 episodes and you know, 20 cars, whatever. So one project is how I define it. And always travel, I always travel with the cameraman. So our team consists of about nine to 10 people. We have about three um, presenters. We have three presenters. So the main guy is Thomas, of course. He's the guy, he's the CEO. It's his channel, he uses autographer. Then there's me, there's another British guy. And the three of us kind of um, split the uh, the episodes, so I do about maybe 10%, Brian, who's the other guy, does about maybe another 10%, and Thomas mm-hmm. does about 80%. Along with that, we have about four to five um, cameramen and, you know, other, other members as well, and okay. the cameraman is always in charge of the full production, so the camera guy brings um, all the equipment, he does all the shooting, he does all the audio recording, he does all the post-production editing, so on and so forth it's my job to prepare all of the material and the research that I need to, uh, you know for presenting this episode to learn about the car and you know if I'm at an event to interview management or CEOs or whoever to get the relevant information that I know my viewers want to hear or they want to know and of course drive and test and make video uh, review the car so that's my Mm -hmm. job and in some cases, um, especially with one of, my, uh, one of my colleagues, this guy called Jonas, we spend a lot of time and effort conceptualizing new ways of uh, cinematographic ways of making B-roll or introductions just to make it a little bit more creative because we really enjoy that. And there we both direct the video together and you know, come up with ways of, of being more creative and special. So nice, overall, nice. it's yeah, it's like about four hours of pre-work from my side to research and build up, you know, a lot of notes about the car and look at the location that we can film. Finding locations to film is really difficult um, and things like that. And then on on the during the event, we spend about eight to ten hours at least um, getting all the footage that we need. And then the the, the the producer spends about I would say maybe another three to four hours. Um, yeah. edit mix color correct you know and render and upload the video
0: that's awesome man that, that's a lot of prep and uh, it's, it's made me appreciate it a lot more just talking to you about this like I figured that uh, I mean I know how hard it is to create creative content uh, <laughs> but this is a whole different ball game you're working without a large team it's, it's like you guys are running the show doing everything on your own you've probably learned a lot about video editing uh music editing shooting uh cinematography right yeah. and that's pretty exciting man I, and i love that you've learned to take on all these practical challenges on the go there's no school to teach you all this right
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's it's always the case that there's i don't know who said this but it's you know if you if you want to do something, just first make sure you get the opportunity, and then try to figure out on the way. You know, and it's it's more of a joke, but the truth is, a lot of times, you know, I didn't I had no idea when I first started doing the show. I reached out saying, I, I want to do whatever you have, because uh, I love cars and I want to learn this, uh, learn about this. So I want this experience. If you want me to be a cameraman, if you want me to edit articles, if you want me to write articles, or and I said, yeah, could you even be a presenter? So I was ready to do anything. And then now I've i found uh, what I'm really good at, and it is a lot of fun. But unlike unlike you know like I mentioned before, like unlike uh, having a band and making music or something, our content is not purely creative. And that also makes it a little bit easier,
0: easier because
1: yeah. I don't have to worry about being creative or making good music or in case of comedians trying to make trying to be funny. I'm just it's more kind of like news or reporting. I guess you could think of it that way. You know, a review is... is, I don't really have to worry too much about the content. I just have to make sure that I'm an expert in the way that I know about cars, which I do. And I've researched about this particular car, which I would have. So Mm -hmm. I just use that arsenal of information and experience that I have to just review and analyze and test the vehicle that I've I've been given. So it's it's a lot easier to generate a lot of content that way because... um, it's not, it's not scripted. It's not something that I have to spend hours on preparing or memorizing lines. A few things here and there we do prep, but the mo- most of it is just impromptu improvisation and just honest uh, expert feedback about the vehicle and consumer advice.
0: And that perfectly encapsulates what what I'm trying to capture with the podcast. You know, like the title itself, "Hold My Beer," is is literally what I'm trying to talk about. Like, I don't know what. How this works? I'm, I'm not really sure how to do it. There's nowhere I can I can spend hours and hours researching about it. But I just gotta go ahead and do it. And that's what you've done, mm-hmm. right? And uh...
1: yeah, I mean, I always tell everybody: there's three lies that people will tell you. And if you listen to these three lies and live your life by these three lies, you're not going to get anywhere. And they are, okay. first of all, opportunities will come to you. Second one is, things will work out. And third is, you need a bit of luck. And yes, some of these Mm. are true to some extent, and yes, privilege plays a lot of uh, role in in, in modern life, but you cannot live by these three lies. Because first of all, opportunities will not come to you. You have to get up every day, knock on 100 doors, and after a year, when you reach your millionth door, somebody will open up and say, hey, you're here at the right place at the right time, come on in, I've been waiting for you. Okay, second thing, things will not work out you have to put your blood, sweat, and tears in. No matter how hard or how far you think you've come, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You have to see things through, and things can always change, and it really requires blood, sweat, and tears. And number three is, luck cannot be something you count on. And a lot of people use luck or privilege or these kinds of things to kind of, you know, I think it's an excuse. It's an excuse. It's an excuse to justify why they will not attempt to do something. People are not willing to take the risk. If there's a one in a million chance of you to do something, then you should be ready to do it a million times. You should be ready to do it a million times in different smart ways. And yeah, you might get it right on the first or second attempt, but Mm -hmm. you should still have that mindset that you're going to work at it. And if you think of these three things and you follow them in the way I've described, then you really can do anything. There's no such thing as I'm too busy, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. These are all excuses, you know. There's always time. You just have to just relax. Trim the fat in your mind, you know, lose that anxiety. And then you will automatically focus and realize that you have enough time. You just have to put
0: things in the right place. Trim the fat. Yeah, bro, that's that's well said. (laughs) I wanted to find out from you was um now there are there's a certain uncomfortable truth about uh, hustling and you know having a crazy schedule you're doing flights now and then and at the same time you probably don't get to eat a lot of home cooked food uh, you've been through cycles of uh, fitness before uh, so how do you reconcile with Having to sacrifice a bit of your health while you're juggling all these things
1: Yeah, that's a good question and you're right I have been through various cycles in my fitness and right now I'm not probably in a in a in a cycle where I'm not doing so well on that front and That's again like you said because I'm traveling often I travel almost every week and long flights to the US I've flown to the US for less than 24 hours and come back and then gone again in a couple days Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of traveling but the truth is, in all honesty, if I was a little bit more motivated, I could, I could definitely spend more time and get into better shape. Right. And that's because, you know, the hotels that I stay I stay in some great hotels, they all have gyms. And I have enough time, you know, at least for a 45 minute workout. Yep. I just choose to go out and go explore the city, go to parties, go to bars, explore something new. Um, when I'm in these new exotic places rather than
0: going to the gym and
1: that's purely, (laughs) it's purely on me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. Like, uh, if I were in your place, I'd probably be doing the same too. Uh, So yeah, and that's probably a reason why you have prioritized uh, checking out a new city or uh, doing something different with your free time. And uh, I totally get that now, not that I think of it. Yeah. So yeah, my question came from a point of concern only, and uh, but it's it's something that I, w- I would do it myself in that situation. So I see how you can easily be motivated if you want to, and uh, and I've seen you do it in the past. It's just a time in our lives when uh, you can choose to do something and uh, compensate for it later. So yeah. So, yeah,
1: there's a time and place for everything, and now the the time and place is for I have this opportunity to travel and have these great experiences, and yeah. I am slacking a little bit on the fitness front, but I'm sure that eventually the the time and place will come again where I need to, or where I, I can devote more time to fitness.
0: Yeah, you know, like someone really uh, popular once said, Yeah, uh, eh, what you gonna do? <laughs> what you gonna do?
1: <laughs> Was that you, buddy? Was that you who said that? <laughs>
0: Now what you gonna do bro <laughs> what you, gonna, what you gonna, do? gonna do about it man what you gonna do uh, so yeah now uh, here's something that I like to throw out to every guest of mine um, it's a scenario where you know you, you get to choose uh, who could give a shout out to you some, some kind of appreciation if you could choose uh, an idol that uh, you look up to uh, who would that be
1: well, I'm going to kind of answer your question because I don't think I have one idol. I have three, mm-hmm. and that would be the guys from Top Gear, or I should say Grand Tour. Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, and James May. Ah. These three guys are, are the, their show. You know, is something I grew up on. Of course, I always had the video games and the car magazines, but and ever since I, I, I came across Top Gear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many, many, many years ago, I've just been enthralled by what they do and it's something that me and my dad always would spend our evenings watching all the episodes. I've probably seen every single episode at least four or five times. And I was always thinking to myself, man, if I could only live that life of traveling around the world and driving all these crazy cars, having these amazing adventures. And uh, well, I don't get exactly all of that, but to some extent, I mean, last year in Chile, I actually drove across the Atacama Desert. Yeah. which was uh, something that the guys in Top Gear also did in one of their episodes, the Bolivia special. And of course, yeah, was it was thinking, much
0: <laughs> I was thinking if they were British, they wouldn't
1: be a They, they wouldn't managed. be able to. They
0: just have to be British. That's why it's so cool.
1: <laughs> it's, it's just the way um... they speak. I mean, of course, they're funny and hilarious, but also when they describe, you know, a car and emotions, uh, yeah. they use certain great language of course it's scripted and they're masters at what they do but apart from this slapstick comedy and sometimes controversial comments uh, they do have some really great journalism um not consumer journalism but just just good writing and scripting and cinematography oh, yeah. and i i learned from that even today and i don't know hopefully one day one of these three stumble upon one of my videos and they are like hmm this guy's not bad <laughs> that would be good enough for me
0: Fuck, that would be crazy, man. Just imagine a comment from them in the comment section.
1: Exactly. I probably wouldn't believe it because there must be like a hundred different fake accounts for each of them on Instagram oh, yeah. or Facebook <laughs> or YouTube. And yeah. I would be like, ah, this is bullshit. Not the right guy. Some <laughs> fake shit. But hey, uh, it's, it's
0: never was... too bad to dream, huh? <laughs> so, yeah. I get it, I get it. Never mind. So what about Their past did you find out that probably inspired you too?
1: Mm, Well, like James May has also quoted many times that he used to work for different car magazines and he's been fired or he's been quit or he's Uh, quit and you know, it's just that and even Jeremy Clarkson, Top Gear was very different before he kind of changed it up into what it is today or what it was rather now that they're doing a different show on Amazon. Um, So it also means that even if you are in the field that you want to be, maybe you still haven't gotten your big break yet. So I don't know. Maybe I will be on Top Gear in twenty years. Who knows? <laughs> of
0: course, bro. Uh, but uh, you, just, you may yeah. laugh about it now, but I believe. I believe in you. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's, it's nice to dream, man. And I, and I love that you're following your dream. Yes. As much as that sounds like a cliche, it it is a possibility and uh, you have to make it work. You have to fucking go out and do the hard work. Yes. And Gain the credibility to say, yes, I'm fucking following my dream.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Yeah. Nothing. And, uh, to <laughs> on that note, I want to, end the podcast and uh, we'll catch up soon man I'm, we have a lot of things to talk about and uh, if this goes well uh, i would like to do another show but something random and uh, random in the sense uh, you know the kind of shit that we like to talk about <laughs> but i think there's an audience for it there's definitely an audience for it there's definitely an audience for it it. the shit we usually talk about yes yeah yeah no i'm convinced that uh, if there's an audience for uh things like ASMR videos, then there's an audience for everything. Okay. That's true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: All right. It's been great. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, I'll see you around.
0: Thanks, Adi. Thanks for coming on. Okay? My pleasure. And have a great day. You
1: Peace. Too. Peace.